You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 11th of May. I'm Jane Kavner from our Corporate Treasury team and I am joined this week by AIB Senior Economist John Fahey to discuss recent developments in the financial markets and look to the week ahead. John, markets were fairly range-bound last week until the payrolls, which limped out on Friday with a bit of a whimper. The headline number was considerably weaker at 266. Are alarm bells beginning to ring there, or was this an unexpected anomaly? Yeah, we had a very uh, surprising number on, on Friday. And as you say there, for much of the week, wasn't a lot happening on markets from a currency market viewpoint, pretty tight range trading. Uh, and then that number printed on Friday, and when, and when it came across the screens, uh, at lunchtime, everyone was wondering, <laughs> was that a misprint? Is that an error? Uh, how can it be so low? So as you say there, the forecast was for a million, uh, roughly a million of jobs growth in April, and we got a figure of, of 266,000. So it's hard to say uh, in terms of what's driving that. It's it's one month's figure, so you can't read too much into it. Uh, and it's generated a lot of debate across the airwaves since its release uh, in terms of what does it mean? Does it does it suggest that the U.S. recovery is losing momentum? So I think that's way too much of a stretch to to decipher that from it. So what we have seen is some companies report difficulty in getting workers. So that may be part of it. Uh, and so there's no underlying or no one can pinpoint exactly what's driving it. So it's one month's figure. So really, all attention now is on the main number, just to see was that a, a one-off, uh, weaker than expected number. But what it does show you, though, feeds into the Fed's view that the US economy is still some way to go in this recovery. So that's why you saw that reaction on markets where the dollar weakened in the immediate aftermath. So euro dollar moved from the midpoint of 120 to 121, up through that 120 level and up towards the midpoint of, of 121 to, to 122. So, you know, moved about nearly, roughly 1% over the course of the day. As soon as the release came out, there was the initial reaction. And, and that's the market interpreting that weaker number as playing into the Fed's view and its dovish outlook on its policy stance and guidance. So we saw the dollar weaken, but at the same time too, we saw equity markets get a bit of a boost from it. Uh, the interpretation being that, well, it means that uh, the Fed won't taper anytime soon and more fiscal stimulus and all that needed for the US economy. So that's how it played out in terms of the uh, initial reaction on markets. But I would say from a longer term economic perspective, I wouldn't read too much into one month's figures. Uh, and really, uh, we just look to see in terms of May and June, the expectation is pretty robust jobs growth again in the US economy. Thanks, John. We won't panic just yet then. But looking ahead then, John, I suppose there's a busy schedule of data stateside this week. What can we expect? Yeah, so the payroll numbers for April. So we have some other key April figures this week in terms of retail sales, industrial production, inflation, as well as a May survey indicator for consumer sentiment. So probably the key one to look out for there, given that the consumer side of the US economy is the key driver, is that retail sales figure uh, which comes out on Friday. And the reason that's important, as I said, it's an April number. So the figures this week will tell us that all the other major indicators for April uh, still held up where they were expected to be so that it kind of feed into the view then that that payroll number was just a one-off unusual occurrence rather than being underlying loss momentum in April in the US economy across the other indicators. So that's what the market will be looking to this week just to make sure that the industrial production, uh, the retail sales and the inflation numbers for April don't, don't surprise generally speaking, versus where expectations are. So from a market's perspective, we don't expect as big impact this week as we saw from the payroll figures and the impact they had on the dollar uh, last week. Thanks, John. If we come back across the Atlantic, then I suppose I'm looking to the UK. The Bank of England met last week where the tone was one of growing optimism, wasn't it? 
very much so it was reflected in their growth forecast i suppose what you could call it is cautiously optimistic they still you know in terms of near term say that the risks could be tilted to the downside given that we're still dealing with a pandemic uh, but they do reference the fact that over the medium term view they see the the risks to the outlook has been broadly balanced so in figure terms what we saw they revised higher their growth forecast this year which was for five percent for the uk economy to grow above seven percent so seven point two five percent so uh, they expect that given how successful the UK has been in its vaccine rollout and the uh, opening up of the economy to underpin a strong recovery this year and into next year. So uh, 7.25% growth for this year uh, and growth of just below 6% next year. So the next year to year and a half, we'll see very strong growth in the UK economy. Interestingly, for 2023, growth forecast is back down below 2%, uh, 1.75%. So they don't expect a kind of rip-roaring 20s for the UK economy. So a boost in the next year to year and a half, but then growth to go back towards or below trend, closer to trend growth uh, further out from that. But I suppose what they're saying on the interest rates and that, no indication from the Bank of England of any near-term changes uh, in policy. They did taper, but that was purely a technical in terms of slowing down their rate of asset purchases. And they emphasized that, that uh, that slowdown or technical tapering is nothing and should not be interpreted as any change in, the, in their monetary policy stance. Interestingly, the market's pricing in the the Bank of England uh, to start hiking interest rates around the second half of next year. So they have the bank rate going from its current level of 0.1%, getting back up towards 0.25%. But you can see the contracts further out have only very modest uh, rate increases. So if you go out as far as 2025 in terms of futures contracts, suggest that the market's expecting the bank rate would be at 1% by then. So similarly, the market's expecting, okay, in the next year to year and a half, very strong growth in the UK economy. Bank of England start hiking rates, but further out, it doesn't. It's very modest rate hikes priced in, so it fits into that view too. That after the initial robust growth from twenty twenty three onwards, UK growth will will go back and slow down substantially from the levels it's at at the moment. Thanks, John. That's very interesting. And of course, our listeners can read more about this in that uh, Bank of England watch, which is available on our website. And staying with the UK, but turning to next week, I suppose, John, we have quarter one GDP out, but really we're not necessarily expecting this to be a game changer, are we? So the GDP data, uh, while they get a lot of attention and economists get excited about them, markets less so because they're lagging indicators. Uh, It's going to tell us what we already know. If you think the UK economy in the first quarter of the year was under a lockdown, severe restrictions in place. So forecast, the consensus view is that the economy contracted by around 1.7% in Q1. But that's old news now. If you think of where we are now from a UK perspective, the economy has reopened. Most sectors are back operational, much much less restrictions in place now. So really, the Q1 GDP figures just confirm what we know. But the market's forward-looking, and it's looking to Q2 and Q3. So we don't expect that Q1 GDP number was, might generate a lot of headlines to have any impact on sterling. The markets are forward-looking, and they're looking to see what Q2 and Q3 bring. Uh, and the indications on, on that side are that we should see very strong growth. Thanks, John. That actually brings me on nicely to my next question then. In terms of your viewpoint for euro sterling as we go out towards the end of the year, I know we previously discussed the potential for a higher euro sterling as Brexit kind of manifested in the last two quarters of the year. Is that still the view or what's your outlook? So where we are at the moment, if you look at the context, so Brexit is having an impact and will have an impact. And for individual firms and sectors, obviously, 
for UK firms selling into the single market now and access to the single market is much more different. But at the same time, overall speaking, the bounce from the opening up of the economy will mask to, to a lot of extent in, in aggregate levels activity and the impact that's happening. So we don't expect it to have a huge impact from a currency market perspective. And where we are at the moment, if you uh, if you recall, so we, we had the BOE last week, the previous week we had the Fed, the week before that we had the ECB, and they were all guiding, uh, you know, fairly dovish policy stances uh, around, you know, no talk yet of contemplating interest rate hikes. So in that context, you know, it's hard to call the next move. We are in fairly narrow range trading in currency markets. So even though uh, we mentioned at the outset there, euro dollar jumped up a bit, it's still within the range of where we expected it. And from a euro sterling viewpoint, you know, for the last week or so, you know, it's been fairly tight range in 86 to 87p. So as we move through this year, euro may move slightly higher but nothing major so maybe around the midpoint of our trading range as we get towards the end of the year of around 88p but nothing drastically changed from where we are at the moment so we don't expect any major moves in euro sterling over the course of this year from from the current levels we're at thanks john staying in its range and then just to finish off i suppose with euro dollar the highest view had been that there would be a ceiling at the upper end towards 123 is that still the case what's your views yeah, so we're, we're, we're happy where we are at the moment. So, we, you know, we got about a bit of volatility in Euro dollar Friday, but it's still around the midpoint of that trading range of 117 to 123. So, you know, we traded just above 123 earlier this year, but that's the upper limit at the moment. And we've mentioned before in this podcast, you know, 120 is a key level for Euro dollar since 2014, you know, Bar an early period in 2018 and, and an early period this year, the euro dollar pair has is, is, is not traded above that 120 level. Uh, and, you know, it's it's for much of last week, we were close straddling that 120. Payrolls came out, we moved up towards 121. It's settling back around that 121 level now. So we're happy with that around that 123 mark. It could be the upper end of the trading range between now and the end of the year. John, thanks a million. As always, uh, very, very informative. Thanks for the update. And a big thanks to all our listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk wherever you source your podcasts. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you will find details of AIB's support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.